A big mistake for a lot of firms that try to go global is they merely try to transport what they have elsewhere rather than really invest some roots in the local culture. Welcome to Scaling Global, which features stories from business leaders who have successfully expanded to an international market. Going global is an exciting change for any business owner, but sometimes the challenges of doing so can feel insurmountable. I'm your host, Christina Wallace. I'm an entrepreneur and the vice president of growth at Bionic, a company that builds startup ecosystems inside large enterprises. Each episode, hear from the influencers and decision makers who have turned their domestic companies into global powerhouses. Each week, you'll hear intimate conversations with business leaders across a variety of industries. They will explain how their companies expanded internationally, including what steps worked and which didn't, and share tips on how you can grow your company globally. Scaling Global is produced by Slate Group Studios in partnership with HSBC. Wherever your business goes, your bank should be there. HSBC has global relationship managers on the ground in over 60 countries, connecting businesses to opportunities. You can learn more about how HSBC can support your business at home and abroad by going to us.hsbc.com. When a company decides to expand globally, foreign laws and regulations can be tricky to navigate. Today, we shed light on these seemingly complex issues and more with my guest, Ivan Sachs. Hi, Ivan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So let's start at the top. Since 2003, you've been a private client lawyer at Withers Worldwide, an international law firm that counsels family offices, leaders in business and the arts, entrepreneurs, investors, and fiduciaries. Can you share more about Withers, the kind of work you do, and how you view your role in the global business landscape? Sure, and thank you for uh, inviting me to talk about that. It's one of my favorite subjects. Uh, <laughs> Withers is a uh, is a very unique uh, uh, place. It is a law firm, uh, but it's a law firm that very much identifies uh, with its clients and a, uh, a type of client and relationship, which is uh, private clients, successful people, and the organizations that uh, that they create and that uh, that serve them, and mm-hmm. that's a, a tradition that Withers has going back over 120 years. Uh, a firm that was formed originally in England uh, and represented um, the British aristocratic class, and was well known in England for for a long time as a firm that represented some of the great landed estates and gentry mm-hmm. in England but saw uh, with foresight uh, over the last several decades that they needed to expand the demographic of their concerns but keep something that was very special, which was a focus on relationships with people as opposed to uh, organizations alone. So you mentioned that your first office was in England, but you've expanded far beyond that. How has the firm expanded to date, and how do you know when it's the right time to open another office? Well, we've been uh, expanding uh, at a gradual pace uh, over a number of decades. First, uh, it was in Europe uh, and small steps from England uh, to uh, Italy. Some years ago, we formed uh, a merger with a smaller firm uh, that was in Milan and through which we have come to represent a lot of the leading uh, fashion brands uh, in Italy, um, Formula One, uh, and some other uh, significant clients uh, and their principals. And since then, we've expanded uh, in the United States. We have four offices in California, 
and uh, a number of offices here on the East Coast. And uh, most significantly in my time as chairman, uh, the focus has been on expanding to the Asia Pacific, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily as much of a goal 15 or 20 years ago for a firm like ours, but has certainly become, uh, you know, the hot topic uh, in uh, competitive uh, legal practice today. What type of research do you do before opening a new foreign office? What are you looking for? Well, it starts with the demographics of our business in terms of the clients and where we can add the most value. And then Mm -hmm. in a knowledge worker business like a law firm or any global professional services firm, then the other key component is talent. So it's a combination of both long-term strategy, but then the opportunity to put the right people in the right places. And are there any brand risks that are associated with being in a global market across such different regions? Uh, Very definitely. I mean, that's a challenge for all law firms and all uh, organizations and companies that want to go global, uh, is how to expand in places where there will be unique cultures to serve, unique cultures of work, and at the same time maintain uh, what makes, you know, your firm have a competitive advantage that's bringing you there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so for us, the integration between our global culture and our local culture is always one of the first things we think about. Can you give us an example of one of a, a legal or regulatory or brand challenge that you've been faced with and how you've dealt with it? Well, sure. I think uh, in, uh, for example, if you take the um, the growth in the demographics of uh, private wealth today mm-hmm. and the kinds of clients that we serve, you tend to find in uh, the United States uh, and in England and Europe a longer track of wealth uh, where there's older money with more mature business interests, more fungible financial wealth. Whereas mm-hmm. in Asia today, uh, wealth is incredibly young. Uh, is generally uh, driven by operating business wealth, Mm. and it has a different set of concerns at at a different phase. Um, We see that in a number of emerging markets where clients seek our help to Mm -hmm. understand the experience of families, family businesses, and other um, organizations, and they want to learn the lessons uh, from those countries to apply to uh, current challenges they face. A big mistake for a lot of firms that try to go global is they they merely try to transport what they have elsewhere rather than really invest some roots in the local culture. So as you said, you were founded over 120 years ago at this point. You've had thousands of clients. Can you tell us about one of your more interesting clients who's maybe had a global business that you've advised and how you worked with them? Well, let's see. There's so many. I guess one that comes to mind because it combines uh, a lot of the ways that we can add value for clients is an international art gallerist. Hmm. Their company has expanded successfully around the world, and we have helped them first with the structuring of corporate subsidiaries, the creation of local real estate holding vehicles, leasing arrangements, that kind of thing in the, in the real estate area because, of course, galleries start with the need for space. And then how they face the challenge mm-hmm. of uh, what we were talking about earlier, the global and the local, in terms of the need to bring out executives from foreign locations, mm-hmm. immigration issues, uh, visa issues, 
executive compensation, uh, relocation types of issues for, for those individuals to make it attractive for them to come. And then you need the local talent, so local employment contracts and manuals. Mm-hmm. I remember we found that the uh, this organization had a manual for its global employees, uh, which was completely inappropriate in certain legal respects to the U.S.-based employees. Hmm. And we had to do uh, some cultural as well as legal translation to get uh, something that assembled with their global employment policy uh, was fair, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from a standpoint of uh, uh, of their global organization, but met U.S. legal requirements. And then, of course, uh, in our case, we have a significant art law practice where we handle transactions, contracts, uh, negotiations for cultural mm-hmm. assets with governments and things. So we uh, also function. Uh, for that type of client in their actual business services as a as a kind of general counsel. So that's a very rewarding relationship for us and for the client. So you mentioned that Asia-Pacific is a hot market these days. What specifically is so compelling about companies that are looking to expand there? Well, you have uh, incredible uh, growth, uh, certainly, you know, fastest growth uh, in the world uh, over a period of some years. Uh, is occurring between China, India, and the space in between. Uh, Large markets, uh, uh, explosion of the demographic of of high net worth individuals uh, in Mm -hmm. particular. And uh, and then they are, you know, young, uh, dynamic, uh, energetic, and they are uh, creating businesses at a rapid pace which is engaging both on a business-to-business level with the rest of the world and also providing a market for our services for you know, expansion of sale of goods. And in the uh, context of what we do, certainly a lot of those uh, businesses are owned by private people, by families, and they want to utilize international expertise to get to the next level in terms of going beyond their locality, going beyond their region, and expanding to the world. If you were advising a U.S.-based client at this point interested in expanding there, what are one or two things you would want to make sure that they were thinking about in preparing, in uh, the currency risks, the regulatory concerns? How would you, how would you think about that expansion strategy? Well, the first thing that anybody who really uh, wants to to get into the details of of, uh, an emerging market and uh, looking at Asia is that Asia is not one big place. Uh, It -hmm. is a variety of uh, significant independent countries, even nationalities and cultures in some cases within countries, uh, and very diverse regulatory environments, uh, attitudes towards rule of law, um, uh, and uh, faith really in uh, the kinds of uh, uh, legal expertise um, uh, in uh, investments, etc. So uh, how you form relationships with uh, service providers, employees, um, partners of, of different kinds in each country is going to be uh, distinct in some respects. And you've got mm-hmm. to be willing to get good advice, and I, I would start there, um, to make sure that if you don't have the local advice, you get it before you leap. So your firm has decided to open offices around the globe, but what are the pros and cons of doing that versus just working with a local partner? 
Yeah, it's by no means uh, a certainty that for many companies uh, doing your own thing uh, globally is the right answer. Um, certainly seen many companies, you know, crash on the rocks and uh, going places where, where they couldn't. But the same applies, of course, in domestic markets. You have to obviously have a good awareness of uh, the key fundamental things that drive your business and its competitive place. Where are the strengths and where are the weaknesses? Um, I represented, uh, and we have as a firm for many years, a uh, long-standing U.S. Uh, medical products business uh, that was multi-generational in terms of family ownership, innovative products, uh, terrific uh, profile, but was really beaten down by pricing issues and needed to expand globally to find a path to daylight for, you know, a fundamental aspect of its business, which was, you know, cost versus price. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that that led them to to a global expansion, which wasn't so much for its market as it was for its production. Mm -hmm. Um, In other cases, we see a lot of companies coming this way, uh, either for production or for uh, investment and growth. So there is no one-size-fits-all answer to that. Have you ever had a client personally where you've advised them to not expand globally? Well, I certainly have had occasion to urge pause. I mean, uh, there are a lot of good ideas, uh, both in investments and in uh, interior corporate uh, strategy that are good, but they may not necessarily be good in terms of timing. Mm -hmm. And you have to have alignment inside your organization uh, when you take a step like growing globally because, um, you know, people can't lose heart the minute that something unexpected happens that doesn't go their way. Uh, and you will find that there are always some unknown unknowns uh, when you expand, you know, uh, across the globe. Mm-hmm. So that is something you have to be prepared for to be to be hardy about. Uh, if your business is too fragile to withstand, you know, some of those vicissitudes, then then it may not be the right time. Can you tell me about your relationship with HSBC? How have they helped your company go global? Well, I think HSBC has been, uh, you know, a true uh, partner with us. Um, we have consolidated a lot of our key finance and 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 uh, lending capabilities uh, uh, from HSBC, and and really uh, have appreciated that they have viewed our. A strategy for uh, appropriate expansion is something that we, in the, in the way that we see it, is something that's diversifying our risk and strengthening our finance and equity, and uh, have been you know very positive uh, in in joining with us in that. So we were you know uh, extremely uh, grateful for our relationship with HSBC, uh, and then in in the local context, we have um, various kinds of you know local banking needs. Um, from escrows to payroll to other things. And uh, I think HSBC's expression is uh, the world's local bank. Um, And uh, it is that localization of services that we need in in our various offices too, which, you know, is an important aspect of our relationship with them. As you think about managing risk as a global firm, what is the biggest concern that keeps you up at night right now? And how do you th- how do you deal with it? Well, I think uh, that the honest answer to that is it's maintaining culture. 
Um, mm. You know, there's the expression, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, as I sometimes say to people around the table, you know, this is the strategy we'd like to have, but what, what, what's the path that we're actually on today in terms of the way people are behaving and how to steer it? And the more that you take on growth and uh, expand in different areas, the more you have to question uh, your culture, reify it, try to make sure that, you know, you still keep alignment about the key things. And as we've grown globally, you know, I think, I think you have to have that adventurous spirit to, uh, to, you know, to bond with the differences of others and bring that into the, you know, melting pot, as we'd say in the U.S., uh, of a new whole so that you can preserve the things that you think are most important. If you think you're losing the things that are most important, then people become very fractious. Uh, but if everybody is uh, got their sights on a common goal, then, then they blend their differences together. So what's next for Withers? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we keep our eyes on the horizon and, uh, you know, uh, strategy uh, in the long term is uh, continue to fulfill our ambition to be, uh, you know, the largest and leading uh, global firm for the private client and the owners of private capital. Uh, tactics always have to be prepared to uh, give up an unsuccessful direction and, and move in another one. Uh, I think we've been luckier than most, and, and we've certainly benefited from identifying a area uh, that clients admire and, and want to uh, work with in, in the type of firm we built. But we have to always be, you know, looking for uh, what is, what is the, you know, the next thing to do in terms of fulfilling uh, the client's needs. And I think, uh, you know, part of that is, is, is also being willing to accept a little bit of failure here and there if we face it and uh, keep moving over ground. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ivan. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Christina. I'm now joined by Daniela Mengi, Senior Relationship Manager at HSBC, who will give us an even deeper look into what it takes to create a global business and provide some perspective on the themes we've been discussing today. Daniela, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, Christina. Ivan Sachs mentioned the costs of legally transplanting your business. Visas, executive compensation, relocation, and that's to say nothing of the cost of the physical space you're moving into. I imagine that some listeners may have heard that and said, okay, no way. <laughs> What's your reaction to that? Is the sticker price a valid reason to think twice about going global? Yes, that's a very good question, but I don't think the price tag per se is the only decision factor. I think there are many different ways to enter a new market. You can do that by aligning yourself at first with local partners, and that is definitely less costly than going with a full acquisition, for example. Or you can start with small offices and grow organically. I think from my clients' stories, I've seen a variety of ways of entering a new market, and Absolutely, the price tag is one of the biggest considerations when you're putting all the financial solutions together and uh, the cash flows and everything that you imagine that plan is going to be, the contingencies. But there are many different ways of doing it, and the price tag alone is not the decision, uh, the sole decision factor. I loved what Ivan said about going where there's talent. How often do you see a business try to open a new location for the expressed purpose of being around better talent? And is talent enough to justify the cost of an expansion? 
again, I think talent is another key component mm -hmm. of the strategy. And especially in Ivan's sector, professional services or for a law firm, you really need to go to markets where you have the local lawyers to be able to execute your plan. So that is definitely key in certain industries more than others. Of course, in industrials might be less than for professional services, but it's definitely another one of the key factors that all companies going global will have to carefully analyze. Mm -hmm. One of the more striking mental images from my talk with Ivan was the way he described Asia. He made it sound so big and unwieldy. How does HSBC provide boots on the ground support for businesses who are dealing with so many different countries and so many different regulations and policies? Yes, for me, HSBC is the global bank. We are in over 60 countries. We've been doing this for 150 years. So, for example, when a client like Ivan says, I'm going to Indonesia or China or India, we're going to pair him up with someone like me in those countries, uh, someone that will speak that language, that will know the local regulations that will be able to help with best market, uh, best practices for that specific market. You're right, like every single one of our uh, markets can be uh, strikingly different when it comes uh, to regulatory environment and banking products. Mm -hmm. So I think our business proposition is to really try to get the client to feel he has a global partner. So locally, we'll be able to help with that first rental guarantee with payroll and giving them lending or other resources uh, to be able to make that first investment. But at the same time, keeping the conversation mm -hmm. as a global client, not only at headquarter, but in all of the other countries we might be servicing them at that point in time. So they feel really well connected with us. They feel that we know what they need and we treat them as one global client with a global strategy, but providing them with local resources that will be able to help them navigate that new country they want to enter. Ivan mentioned having to urge pause when some of his clients have thought about scaling their businesses abroad. Have you ever had to do that? And what determines if a business is ready to go or should pause? Yes, in my career, I had the chance and the fortune to work also in Brazil in at a time with a little bit more um, instability and, and some risks that had to be evaluated in many of our conversations with our clients. And some of those conversations maybe led projects to be delayed um, and for good reason. And the same, the same thing here. I, I always feel that being a trusted advisor, we are a sounding board. We can always talk to clients about a variety of solutions and risks and help them decide if the timing is right. So sometimes pausing is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the speed to the market is the right strategy. So there is not one solution for every single client, but the more you get to know them, the closer you are as a trusted advisor, as a true banking partner, you'll be able to be a part of that conversation and hopefully a part of that solution and grow together and be a part of that story. So that's one of the things I love about my job. I think for the first time in this series, HSBC was referred to as a strategic partner, not just the people you go to when you need to fund your expansion. Can you speak to the consultation services HSBC offers and why those are so important? Yes, absolutely. I think my role as a corporate banker is really to develop that long-lasting and strong relationship where we are going to be called in early on with questions and ways that we can help when the client is thinking about that move so we can participate in that consultation phase. We can talk to our 
partners at that market where the client is thinking about expanding and get a lot of information about the regulatory environment, about you know, best practices, what are the products that are offered there. We are typically, in most of these markets, a very sizable player. We've been in some of those markets for a long time. Mm-hmm. So what I urge my clients to do is really, in this partnership that we have, when something like this so strategic, so transformational comes up in the discussions in the boardrooms, come to us too. Let us help you mm-hmm. and be, again, as I love to say, like a part of your story. Daniela, thanks so much for coming. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here, Christina. That's all for this episode of Scaling Global. In an upcoming episode, we talk to the president of an eco-friendly plastics manufacturer. The company discovered how a sustainable product can lead to incredible global growth. Scaling Global is produced by Slate Group Studios in partnership with HSBC. Thanks again to Ivan Sachs, global chairman of Withers Worldwide. To hear more stories from business leaders who have successfully expanded to an international market, subscribe to Scaling Global wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Christina Wallace. Thanks for listening. In the United States, deposit products are offered by HSBC Bank USA NA, member FDIC.